0: Hello and welcome to Sermon Seasonings, the podcast of Christchurch Gladesville, where we dig a little deeper into the passage we looked at on Sunday. I'm Mandy Curley, and on Sunday, Andrew Levy preached as we looked at Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 to 16, and thought about the way we are to live a life worthy of the calling we've received. Andrew helpfully showed us the unity we have in Christ, yet the diversity that exists within the family of God, as we seek to give glory to the one God and Father of all, who is in all and through all and over all. Andrew, thanks for joining us today.
1: Thanks for having me again. You keep inviting me back. It's very kind.
0: Uh, Excellent. So uh, we don't have Dave today. Unfortunately, he's unwell and currently having a COVID test. Uh, So it's the two of us. Uh, So Andrew, what are we gonna do today?
1: Well, we're going to have a quick look across the passage and bring up some of the points that I raised out of the sermon uh, on Sunday. I wanted to to start just in the first section, if we could, uh, just to pick up on the idea of unity versus maybe a concept we hear a bit about in our modern society, loyalty. So Mm. what's the difference between unity and loyalty? Because uh, in uh, chapter uh, 4, verses 1 to 6, We were talking about how we have unity uh, Mm. together as the church of god and the first verse is actually stronger than we have in the english version uh, when um, the apostle paul says as a prisoner of christ then i urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received Mm. literally it's the calling to which you have been called Called. (laughs) so he wants to go call 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 and uh, as i said on sunday which I believe comes truly from the Mm. passage, that the calling language is salvation language. and He's talking to Jew and Gentile about how they have been uh, saved in equal measure Mm. because of the work of the Lord Jesus Christ, saved by grace uh, where they were dead in their transgressions and sins and now have been made alive in Christ. That's what we learned from chapter 2. It applies to both Jew and Gentile. They've been called, both of them, Mm. uh, both groups, Jew and Gentile, Uh, to this great salvation, and now they have to live a life worthy of it. Mm. And Paul points to the fact they are to be united.
0: Yeah, so I was going to read, if I read that section from from 1 to 6, which just gets the picture. So, as a prisoner for the Lord then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all.
1: So the beginning of verse 3, make every effort to keep the unity of mm. the spirit. This isn't Paul now contradicting himself. We are united mm. in Christ, yep. and um, but he is reminding the Christians in the church in Ephesus, and he's reminding us through this apostolic word that we have here in the scriptures to us that actually unity is something that Christians continue to work at. It's not Mm. something we just accept quickly and take for granted thereafter. We have to uh, live it out. And that's why uh, the the call is so active to mm. live a life worthy of the worthy of the calling you have to which you have been called. called.
0: Yeah, and because you can't get away from that fundamental unity that's here. You know, like. Could he have used one more often? (laughs) Um, (laughs) One, 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 one. Yeah, you know, there is a point that Paul is making about that unity that we have. And I think that's actually one of the things that we've seen so powerfully throughout Ephesians so far is the, the way that we are united in Christ and all of what it means and just... I mean, I'm mind-blown every time we think about what it means that now in Christ I am included in Him and I'm united with Him and I am I can honestly talk about being uh, seated with Him in the heavenly realms right now, that there's a fundamental change in my identity in terms of my relationship horizontally with the Father through Christ. Vertically? Oh, sorry, vertically. It's because I'm also trying to think about the horizontal change that happens because his spirit now lives in me, his spirit lives in you, his spirit lives in all of the believers, and so I've been united to them at the same time as I've been united to the Father.
1: Yeah, for sure. I don't want to preempt what Dave will be speaking about in a couple of weeks, but it's really that idea of the two becoming one, Mm. where we were separate from God uh, and under his judgment, Christ has uh, brought us into relationship Uh, with God, full and united relationship with God uh, by forgiving our sins and completely dealing with them at the cross so that we are now united with with God. Like you said, our Mm. identity is no longer separate from God. It's actually found in Christ, Mm. and that's where the the unity uh, resides, and that's what Paul is calling both Jews and Gentiles, people from different Mm. backgrounds, uh, maybe have had different languages different experiences different social classes all the, for all the difference that humanly speaking they could point to as being separators mm. in Christ they are united together and uh, can call each other family
0: yeah and so how is that different to to being loyal to someone?
1: Yeah you hear in our modern society um, that uh, concept of loyalty as being a really high, kind of Mm -hmm. in a human sense calling, Mm. if I can put it that way, uh, that uh, people are called to be loyal to the people that they want to be with. And you even hear that in church circles and uh, there are stories going around now where that seems to be a real uh, point there that you needed to be loyal, especially to a church leader or something Mm -hmm. like that as well. Now the concept of loyalty and unity has a lot of overlap for sure because uh, they can uh, look like a, a sense of, of coming together, staying with each other, um, remaining you know, in the same direction yeah. uh, as each other as well. But uh, as I was looking through and thinking about this as a potential application point from the sermon on Sunday, which I didn't in the end use, uh, I just noticed that the language of loyalty seems to stop in the Old Testament. Yeah. It doesn't come through to the New Testament. And Christians in the New Testament are not called to be loyal to Christ, they're called to be united in Christ. Mm. And so um, the difference um, between unity and loyalty in a sense is loyalty says that there are two separate entities which kind of combine together but remain two, Mm. where unity is the two becoming one. We're not separate from Christ and we kind of go with Christ and decide to be loyal to him. Uh, like we would the king in the yeah. Old Testament. Uh, for us in Christ, we've become one in Christ and therefore are united together, which is a deeper and more fuller experience than just being loyal in yeah. a sense.
0: Yep. And do you think that that means that because there is that fundamental unity, that actually there's perhaps more scope to then – Disagree with the person on the other side, like the other person that you're united with, if you think that they're wrong on something, because there's something that fundamentally binds you together, which means that you can actually look at them and go, "That binds us together," but Andrew, I'm not sure about that.
1: Yeah, you often um, uh, tell me where I'm wrong on, <laughs> on, on during the week, and you're usually right. So uh, I think and uh, vice versa. Uh, I think. Well, I think that's exactly right. That the thing. That unites us goes deeper and is richer and fuller, which allows us in points of difference or disagreement to have a a strong foundational basis to actually remain in fellowship while we work out those differences together. And like I said on Sunday, sometimes on things you will come to a place where you go, Oh, actually, no, I need to change or shift my opinion on that. Mm. Uh, And in other times it's like, No, I just can't quite get there with you but i'm comfortable in the fact that we're still brother and sister in christ we love Mm. each other and we care for each other and we're not going to let this one point of difference be uh you know a a contentious point that separates us away from what we actually have in jesus where loyalties quote unquote can be tested if suddenly the person lets you down or Mm. uh does something terrible towards you in which case you remain as one a separate entity Mm. removed from Mm. the other person and you could walk away
0: yeah, yeah, and I guess it's even it's because of that unity that that's actually the freedom to speak the truth in love.
1: Yeah, and there's a great example uh, in the book of Galatians, for example. So at the end of chapter one, uh, the apostle Paul talks about meeting the uh, other apostles for the first time, and uh, included in that is Peter, who's uh, Kephas. and um, he uh, Paul talks about having extended the been extended the hand of fellowship um, to the other apostles, which is great, but then at the Beginning of chapter two, he realizes that in Antioch, uh, the apostle Peter has been doing some things which are actually contrary to the gospel. He's favored the Jews over the Gentiles, and this has caused a whole bunch of problems within that church and even led people to kind of uh, being led astray with Peter on this issue. And so the apostle Paul says, I opposed Peter to his face because he... Um, because he stood condemned mm. uh, not condemned in the sense of he suddenly wasn't a christian but because he was utterly in the wrong and against mm-hmm. christ on this particular issue yet at no point does he say our fellowship immediately stopped and i banned him from the church and others agreed with me there was there's the sense as you read these two chapters that the hand of fellowship uh, by which they are both united in their calling to christ remains unchanged mm. Uh, yet there was a point of difference that needed to be uh, fixed and clarified. And we read in 1 Peter that there was uh, um, a repentance and a, mm. and a coming around from Peter's end to recognise that the thing that he uh, had believed at that point was was wrong mm. and it needed to change as well. Yeah. And so I think that's what unity gives us, mm. that it gives us the the peace and the foundation for good relationship, both when times are good and also when there's disagreement mm. as yeah. well.
0: Yeah, so whereas loyalty sometimes demands that we don't challenge the other person at all, uh, that we just, you know, and people will talk about blind loyalty, we actually have something that is far bigger and better than that. We have a unity in Christ That actually gives us the freedom to sometimes say, oh, I'm not sure I agree on that, but to work together because our fundamental unity is what comes first.
1: Yeah, Mandy, that's so important. I'm really glad that you raised that because, um, yeah, we're not called to blind loyalty. Mm. uh, And when things need to be changed – and uh, a strong question needs to be asked, or a concerned voice needs to be uh, given towards another person. Actually, that's part of our calling in unity with Christ. We're not supposed to just overlook it or pretend it didn't happen, or sweep a wrongdoing under the under the carpet. That actually part of our unity means actually making every effort uh, mm. to uh, maintain that loyalty. And like yeah. I said on Sunday, maintain it's that a, unity. Yes, that's right. Um, <laughs> maintain that unity. Um, it, it, like I said on Sunday, it's, um, it's an active, tiring, energy-sapping kind of word that's being put into play there, that uh, we are to be united and remain united and uh, to continue to work towards that end.
0: So Andrew, having thought through then that fundamental unity that we have in Christ and just how good that is, on Sunday you raised something that we were going to talk about today.
1: Yes, and I I think the way I phrased it, Mandy, frankly, was that I was going to ask you and Dave uh, a question about the apostles and the prophets Mm. out of verse 11. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I feel like the shoe's on the other foot at this point. So uh, maybe if you'd like to read verse 11 and then I will ask you your thoughts and then I will also weigh in as well. Yeah, Good thing Dave's not here, isn't it? He's avoided the question.
0: (laughs) So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ.
1: So in context, having... Uh, talked about, first of all, in verses 1 to 6, the unity that we have in Christ, that we're also told that within the church there is a diversity of gifts, skills and talents that God's people have that are used for the purpose of building up the church in this next paragraph. Uh, In verse 7, it's a grace which Christ apportions. Mm. So it's not the saving grace that all Christians get in equal measure, it is uh, an apportioned grace in terms of people are gifted in this direction or they have the ability in this direction uh, that enables the body to do different things and to remain united in the same body uh, as well. And then in that context, he particularly points to certain offices mm. that are uh, equipped in, wo- in a word sense to lead the church so that they can do that well. And uh, in that list, as you just read out, the first two apostles and prophets. This is particularly controversial because people often ask, well, do those offices still exist? So, Mandy, there's the question to you. Do they uh, still exist?
0: See, I'm, I'm looking over at where Dave's supposed to be and going, <laughs> surely you weigh in here first. But... Let's have a go. Uh, one of the things is is that those uh, that phrase, apostles and uh, prophets, has actually been used by Paul twice before already in Ephesians. Uh, so in chapter 2, verse uh, 20, so I'll read from 19 because it gets the context there. So, consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Christ Himself as the chief cornerstone. In Him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple to the Lord. And in Him, you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by His Spirit. So we see there in chapter two, um, as we looked at it, the whole thing that Christ is the foundation. But the apostles and the prophets there are the ones who initially, pre-Christ, are actually pointing us towards and building that foundation of what's going on. Um, And then again in chapter 3, verse 5, as it's talking about how you're going to understand the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to people in other generations, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. So there's a foundational role that the apostles and prophets have at the time of Christ.
1: And you've given us a really great example when it comes to when we're trying to understand a particular passage, uh, the Bible's built with context around Mm -hmm. it. And so it's actually worthwhile looking around how the Apostle Paul has already used these titles in particular to help us to understand what's going on, and you're absolutely right to go back the previous two chapters because he's actually put apostles and prophets together mm. as uh, two uh, particular offices that have been given to people under God for the purposes of building His church. Mm. These yep. are foundational roles. These are builder roles mm. through the word of God.
0: Yep. And they're connected to Jesus and and his ministry. So I think we see, um, if we go to Acts, which we looked at uh, last, that last year, yep. I get so confused now as to what <laughs> year is what. Cause Who knows what year it is. August has been six months long. Um, but, yeah, so... Being an eyewitness of Jesus' earthly ministry and particularly his resurrection was essential there. It's why we saw when um, Judas was um, cast out and had died because of his betrayal of Jesus that they elected Matthias to replace the 12 uh, because that 12 is symbolic of God's people as we look back to the Old Testament. But then when you get Paul, Paul specifically talks about himself as being an apostle abnormally born. Uh, because he had a specific role that God had given him to do, um, and he has this personal encounter with the risen Lord Jesus that is actually markedly different to anyone else's conversion that I think I've ever heard of.
1: It's true. And um, with regard to the office of apostle, uh, John Stott, the late uh, great Bible teacher, uh, said that uh, the... Mark of uh, the apost- of a true apostle was that they were an eyewitness to the resurrected Jesus, that, that they had been called by God mm. for a particular purpose and sent to a particular ministry to go and preach the word and with a uh, ambassadorial yep. kind of uh, role there, that when they spoke uh, in their teachings, they were speaking the words of the living Christ, um, deliberately giving out that word, that was the living word that would build the church.
0: Yep. Yep. And that's one of those things where we want to sort of because at times we we're called to be ambassadors of Christ, but there's a difference in that role, isn't there, between those first apostles and people who follow Jesus now.
1: Yeah, that they were given the word directly by God to go and um, pronounce it to uh to the people, uh to God's people, to 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 grow them and to uh, even to bring them into the kingdom. But for us now, we have those words recorded for us in Scripture. Mm. So when we are ambassadors of Christ, we go back to the the word that was established by the prophets and the mm. uh, apostles through the, uh, from the Lord Jesus Christ, but it's been recorded and written mm. down for us too. So that their words are enduring words that are good for building the church even today.
0: Yeah, and I guess that's one of the things, because you've reflected at times that like in Zambia, everyone calls themselves apostles such and such. What's the danger of that?
1: Yeah, I, I should say that uh, the, the dodgy people <laughs> refer to themselves <laughs> as uh, prophets such and such and uh, apostles such and such, and it really seems to be a title grab mm. to say um, I'm better than you, I'm closer to God than you are, I know better mm. uh, about what God wants for your life, and you better listen to me. It's a, it's a real kind of forced downwards mm. oppression in the use of those words, and uh, I think it would be fair to say that if uh, you... Uh, even in a Sydney context, come across someone who calls themselves with those type of titles, I think, uh, be very careful from the outset in in listening to them, even just use that uh, uh, title as a a reason to run away, perhaps, uh, as well. You don't want uh, people to to take the title that the Apostle Paul applied to himself and then preach a different gospel, Mm. which uh, leads people away from Christ, under the, under the guise of the fact that this is the new word of God or a new word has been given by God to speak to a particular context. Uh, the word that we have from the apostles is recorded for us mm-hmm. in the Bible. And I think uh, and I believe that both the uh, apostolic office and the, profet- uh, the prophetic office, so to be called a prophet mm-hmm. Uh, are no longer required because we have those words given for us that their enduring legacy is in the scriptures. Yeah. And uh, if you want to hear their voices, you go back there mm. for those things. The office of uh, prophet and the office of um, apostles is no longer required.
0: Mm. Yep, and I think that's the, that's where we get with the deposit entrusted once for all. Uh, that message that we have, as you say, we've got it in the scriptures. And I guess in some ways, as we think about prophets, I've heard it referred to sometimes that when we look back, particularly towards the prophets in the Old Testament, it's almost like we can call them capital P prophets. Uh, That's what Jeremiah was. He was given a specific role by God to preach the word. Um, He was given the spirit... Sometimes I think it was for a time to preach that word uh, to people, and we have those words recorded for us. Um, You know, we might think similarly of Isaiah, of Malachi. Um, And even you pointed out uh, to me earlier that sort of John the Baptist himself was kind of, you know, he was the greatest of all the prophets.
1: Yeah, that's um, what uh, Jesus calls him in Matthew uh, 11, uh, that there was none greater than John Mm -hmm. when it came to those, because uh, finally, uh, John was the one who was able to lay eyes on Jesus mm. and His ministry, the one to which they were all pointing, and mm. uh, in, to which all the hope of the Old Testament was was heading towards. Was in front of John, he had the great privilege of being the uh, the voice in the desert, making a straight path right yeah. now for the Lord to be present. And so there's a there's an enormously great role mm. in that. Yep,
0: yep, and that's to point to Jesus. And so when in the New Testament, particularly when we look at one and two Corinthians, okay. It does talk at times about there being prophecy, but it never seems, as far as I can work out from looking at it, it never refers to those who might speak a word of prophecy as being prophets.
1: Yep. No, I think that's right. Uh, that's, and that's a clear example of the fact that uh, people can say words of prophecy Mm. Uh, in the New Testament church and uh, uh, even today, which are legitimately New Testament terms. But we don't embrace the office of prophet when we do. Uh, mm. The reason is, of course, that we're not, we've are not we not been commissioned with a special word by God where God has appeared to us and told us mm. to uh, particularly speak into this context. We've interpreted the scriptures mm. given to us. And so where people have... Um, have been led and understood by the Spirit to um, uh, to read the Word of God and to see an application in a particular time. That's what we might call a, a word of prophecy that's mm. good for building up the church, uh, but it's still based on the Scriptures, yep. not on a new uh, vision or a new word mm. given from God directly to a person.
0: Yep, and the Scriptures themselves specifically say that the Scriptures are what are to then be used to weigh that. That prophecy and to make sure that it is actually consistent with God's word revealed to us. Mm.
1: So I think uh, when it comes to verse eleven, the prophets and the apostles at the beginning uh, were there legitimately at the beginning of the building of the church. They're mm. given the word of God. Uh, Evangelists—that's um, only come—they they only come up a couple of times in the in the New Testament. Uh, most famously, Philip in mm. Acts chapter eight although um, I think it's Timothy is told to do the work, work. of an evangelist uh, there as well. And um, that's an ongoing title. It seems to be the sort of person who doesn't have a particular home in a church but goes in an itinerant manner around to different places and proclaim the word of God. And we've had examples of that through through the years and through time. Uh, but certainly the I, the role of pastor and teacher is the one that we uh, know and love in our churches mm. Um the two ter- terms themselves are kind of placed with an and in the middle mm. of them to kind of link them together. I don't think it's possible necessarily to be a pastor and not a teacher mm. or a teacher and not a pastor. Um, so um, I think that uh, the titles are included. We see it in, for example, in Dave's role, mm. um, uh, To just to point out one member or something, I think it's, we see it in my role and your role and other other people's roles as well. But to talk about uh, Dave, our senior minister, he uh, he encapsulates those those things. And they come with very big responsibilities mm. as you read through the New Testament. So it's not something to be grasped or desired. It's something that you have to um, be uh, drawn towards, I think, and uh, convicted uh, and encouraged by the people of God. But when Dave leads us, he leads us with his word gifts that we believe have been given to him by God, apportioned to him, to do his role in the church. And that is to lead us faithfully by the preaching of the scriptures, so that we see Christ more clearly with our hearts and with our eyes in faith, and that we then take the gifts and skills that we've been given by God to work in unity together to build up his church Mm -hmm. here in Gladesville and then beyond Gladesville uh, as well. And so Dave is one of us, not greater than us, one of us working amongst us, exercising word gifts to point us as a whole church towards Christ.
0: Yep. So there you go, Andrew. I think.
1: Well, so now that I've answered my question, uh, Mandy, I'll ask you another one then uh, to throw towards you as well. Uh, we learned from the scriptures on Sunday that uh, we have this great unity in Christ and that. That is seen in the diversity of gifts and skills he's given to uh, each body of believers and the body of believers right across the world uh, to uh, glorify him with their gifts and talents. And the result of that in this world is that we are standing firm against heresy Mm. and false teaching and that we are actively building the church as well. And I kind of made, it was kind of a very short point, but hopefully sometimes you make a short point in a poignant way uh, to say, especially in our COVID times, it's hard. And it's easy for people to slip through the gaps. You're our director of um, membership and it's not just solely your job to be responsible for it. Uh, It's not like I can say, oh, I'm mission, so I've got nothing to do with looking after people. Uh, But it is a particular focus of your area. As you're looking around, seeing the circumstances we find ourselves in, how are, how are there practical ways that we can be making sure that no one slips through the cracks and that people are still being encouraged to see the unity and exercise their diverse gifts?
0: Yeah, it's, I mean, it's a huge one. And in some ways, you're right, it does feel like it's something that's occupying a lot of my my thinking time. Because one of the things is, is that the way that we normally do that is just getting to eyeball people. Uh, because as we see people each week, uh, you notice who you're not seeing. Um, as we see people each week, you notice the the look on their face or the just slight withdrawal and so you can walk over to them at morning tea and and say hi. And that's not just me that does that. You actually – I think one of the things that I love most of all on Sunday is often standing back at at morning tea or at afternoon tea or at supper and actually watching our church family do that with each other.
1: No, I definitely – I agree with that. I think the best sound at church at the end is just the the voices of the people all together uh, just enjoying each other mm. and uh, loving conversation and fellowship with each other as well.
0: yep. and so I think that is one of the things that is hard about this separation that we're suffering at the moment uh, because of covid. and I think we see it in lots of little ways, particularly in our growth groups. um so, Growth group attendance has been significantly higher in this last term uh, than any other time. And I think it's because the people who are members of those groups actually need connection. And so they want to be there even when it's not as good as being there in person. (laughs) Most of us can say that. Um, But it's so much better than just not being there at all. Um, And so we're seeing people come and connect and care for each other um and so I think that it is one of the things that's hard for those who aren't in groups uh because there's not that same natural sense because it's not the job of the growth group leader to care for everybody in the growth group it's the job of the growth group to care for each other and so you're a member of a group that's got 10 or 12 people in it it means that there's 11 other people who are also looking out for you
1: even the growth group leader needs to be looked after.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I think at the moment, uh, shout out to anyone who's in a growth group and not a growth group leader. Send your growth group leader some love this week. <laughs> um, but I think there's also the sense of one of the beautiful things that I'm seeing is the people who are wanting to know, well, hang on, who's not in groups and how can I reach out to them? Uh, The stories that I hear of people who are sending text messages and letters to other people um, who are looking out on on the chat and, you know, you see in the chat, sometimes particularly in the morning, where people say hi to each other. And you see that and sometimes I realise, people who I didn't know know each other are actually connecting with with one another. And I think that's the thing as a wider body we need to keep doing. the Starting the Zoom watch along for morning church has actually been a really nice moment of before church. It feels a little bit like when you used to turn up to church and you see some like literally a face pops up on the screen and kind of conversation stops and people turn around and go, oh, hi, Andrew there's just that nice sense of because what we're missing is each other.
1: Mm. And so one of the, I'm hearing you say one of the first things that you look for is is people being active and engaged. And when you're looking around, say, your growth group or even just members of the church that you would normally connect with and you, you're not seeing them as connected anymore, then reaching out early um, might, because they're, they're not being around, might be a sign that they're struggling a little bit.
0: Yep. Yeah. And I think that's it. And even the whole thing of that, this is, I mean, it was, I'm trying to not watch those press conferences anymore because they get a bit hard. But when the uh, chief psychologist was on, he said, this is actually for most people, one of the uh, most difficult sustained um, trials that you're going to face. And so I think having that other person centeredness that as we're growing in maturity, actually going the whole, hang on, if I'm feeling a bit down, chances are someone else might be feeling a bit down as well and so even in that moment not waiting for someone else to come to me but actually reaching out making that connection with them we're doing it for the sake of them but can i tell you that the payoff is you're going to feel better for it too
1: nice um in tuesday's email you've dropped in a little video uh that uh keith condy recorded at uh, christchurch wrong one (laughs) some knives uh wrong wrong christchurch but uh uh, an interview that he did up there. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about that resource?
0: Yeah, so it actually it came, it's it's the funny, we're feeding into each other. So after the interview that I did with Keith, uh, the short five-minute interview that we had about flourishing, not languishing at the moment, uh, Christchurch and Ives has then actually got Keith to run a 40-minute seminar that actually thinks about how can we actually flourish at the moment in this, in this circumstance. And so Keith just helpfully uh, keeps pointing us back to the script and helps us to lift our eyes beyond the current circumstances and to fix our eyes on Jesus and to actually take those moments of great joy that are here and encourages us to keep connecting with others. So recommend it.
1: Yep. So it sounds like a good resource for us to look at this week.
0: Yeah. So um, I think that's us for today, Andrew. Thanks so much for not just preaching on Sunday but helping us today to dig a bit deeper into God's Word and keep thinking it through. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. We'll be back again uh, next week as we tackle the second half of Ephesians chapter four and think about how to live as Christian people. I've been Mandy.
1: And I've been Andrew.
0: We'll see you next week.